0: Welcome to another exciting episode of the Audience Converter Podcast. I'm Kimberly Whitecamp, your host, conversion copywriter, and marketing strategist. Today, I am so excited to be talking about a very important topic for all of us entrepreneurs. It's one of those things that many of us are, you know, we, we, we hear, you know, the importance of a list, the importance of a list, the importance of a list. But then the reality is, is many of us don't really know how to monetize that list. So for today, we're going to be talking about all the steps that you can take and how to really take the list that you have and monetize it for the best part of your business. And to help me do that, I have Russell Nahalty. He is a USA Today bestselling author and speaker. He creates really cool things like books and comics, and hosts cool things too, like the Complete Creative Podcast. He's raised over $140,000 on Kickstarter, built a mailing list of over 25,000 people, and tabled at more than 150 events since 2016. Now, he teaches creatives how to lead a complete and successful life through his teaching academy, The Complete Creative. Russell, thank you so much for joining me, and welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me. It's great to be here.
0: I'm really excited to kind of dive into our topic today. Uh, but before we get there, I'd love to know a little bit about your journey and how you got to to doing what you're doing with The Complete Creative.
1: Sure. So I have been a creative human pretty much since before I went to college. And I was in the theater in high school and did yearbook in high school. And then I got a degree in broadcast journalism and another degree in sociology because I'm a masochist for doing too much work. And then I set out to work on... I worked on Capitol Hill before I started my first company called uh, RPN Photography, where I did fashion photography and shot movies and directed movies and TV shows and such. And then after that, I had a... Uh, I, I, that led to me creating a production company called DNS Media Group with two of uh, two other partners. And then... Very soon after that, it all fell apart, mostly because I thought that my work was just so good that people would find me without doing any of the marketing and sales work. So I had a couple of companies crash and burn on me. And then I went to work doing the only thing that I could do with a journalism degree, which was sales. Uh, I didn't have very many marketable skills that were in the middle of the Great Recession. So I... Started working at Affleck and then this company called Recycler and then finally a sprint reseller where I was just terrible at selling. I was just so bad. But I knew that like the thing that stopped me from being successful as a creative was the fact that I had no idea how to sell or market myself. So I worked really hard and I was like, for many months, I was just like good enough to not get fired, basically. like I was just good enough to pay for my seat. And uh, then suddenly something clicked and I became the best salesman at the company and just put in the hours and the reps. I became a sales manager, opened my own Verizon dealership, started my own publishing company, and then my own creative academy, which is the Complete Creative. So a lot of failure back then that all came from basically... Not knowing how to find, market or sell to my audience.
0: Wow, that is certainly a, a very interesting journey to get to where you are. I mean, from a production company working on Capitol Hill to, to being a salesperson for insurance, I mean, there's a lot of different things. but you know, I, I'm sure it taught you a lot about what it really takes to kind of, as you said, right, find and know where to find and how to connect with the right audience.
1: Well, on top of that, because I own three very different companies, it really helped me figure out how to market to different people specifically and what sort of marketing lessons you can take from multiple different creative or even technology fields that apply to a whole bunch of people. So weirdly, my sociology degree is probably the thing that I use the most, even though... It has a bad reputation about being a phony major That like that is quite easy. Uh, it deals with groups and how to influence groups, which when you're running Facebook ads or trying to build an audience or trying to see how groups operate, which is much more important than it's important to know how a single person operates, but it's really important to know how a group of people operate because especially if you're doing B2C work, you're going to be working a whole lot more with groups of people than individual people. So it's important to know sort of what the trends are in those uh, in those markets. So yeah, I I used to think it was a detriment that I've done so many different things, but I've 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 I've, I've since grown to know that it's a great strength to be able to work in so many creative fields in art and writing and novels and comics and movies and TV and, and podcasting and, and all of these creative things, including courses and uh, have so many different clients uh, and see what is different about working in different creative industries, but more importantly, what is the same that you can sort of bring and in, in, in broach basically any, any field that you want.
0: Sounds like we have a very uh, similar background there. I've got an anthropology degree, which is uh, still the humanities and uh, at least in my university was the a similar school for anthropology and sociology. And then, uh, you know, I, I've done all the different types of things as well. I was an English teacher in Europe. I uh ran a a hostel in New Zealand. I was a bartender. I've done AV work. But you know, all of that kind of experience really does help you figure out finding the right people and how to talk to those right people. And I love what you said about how, even though you worked in very diverse and interesting industries, that the really important thing is finding out how are they similar and how you can use that to then talk to people the right way. So let's talk a little bit about how do you find your right audience?
1: Sure. So I think that you talked about building a big mailing list, and that's the big crux of what people are talking about. And it's always been kind of the crux of what people talk about, but they don't really talk about why you're building an audience or how to do it right. So I'll tell you a horror story. I have a... Twitter account that has 27,000 people on it. And they are the least engaged humans I've ever met because I had no focus when I was building that Twitter account. I just wanted more and more and more people. So those people, I mean, they're all humans, but they have none of the same interest that I have. Meanwhile, my Facebook account has uh, 14,000 people on it, and it's much more engaged. I, I, I I was very intentional with how I built that Facebook audience. So when I post something there, I get a lot of engagement on it comparatively to Twitter, which has even more people. And I also have different mailing lists that I made a long time ago that are very unengaged. And then I have an, uh, the, our main mailing list, which I curate and I'm hyper-specific about, which is quite engaged and leads to most of our sales. So the thing that people get wrong is that they think about growth. They think about the the, the massive amount of humans, but they don't think about Who they're trying to get on their list first. They don't think about the type of person, they don't find their singular human or singular avatar.
0: Definitely. One of the things I teach a lot is, you know, you have to know who your audience and your audience members are before you do anything in terms of marketing, in terms of even talking about what you do, because you need to know who you're talking to first, which is what it sounds like what you're talking about here, which is really powerful for a lot of people to kind of take into your mind. I love that you started with the Twitter example, because so many people I remember when Twitter first came out and everyone's like, Oh my gosh, I've got so many followers. But again, you talk about how they're not engaged. They're not the people who are the best fit for what you do. And they're not, necessarily going to take that extra step to interact with you, whereas you have the Facebook page, which is a lot of people. So what are some things you think that uh, people should be considering when finding that perfect human to put onto your lists?
1: All right. Well, number one is that business is only two things. It is customer and product and the interplay between the two. And I only like creating stuff that my customers actually tell me that they want. So a lot of times people ask me, what should I be making? And I always tell them, well, I don't I don't know. What do your customers tell you? What are the people that are buying your stuff or listening to your show telling you that they want? And they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, well, then you have a problem. You have the biggest problem in business, which is you don't know the singular type of human and what their biggest needs are. So I have two big companies, the Training Academy, which is my non- side of my business and the publishing company. And they both have relatively similar, much overlapping, but also a lot different personalities. So I have a a mascot for my publishing company called Melissa the Wannabe. And uh, she is this kind of spunky, rebellious, anti-authority artist creative type person uh she doesn't like a lot of flower language she just likes like getting down to it and like she sort of like a punk gothy uh, history so she likes sort of like uh, the uh, indie comics and like uh indie bands and she likes to go and like that is so that is the kind of feel that i'm looking for for the kind of person that i have so w- what you didn't hear me say was ages or locations, or degrees, because I think people get really held up in the demographics. So the biggest thing is that I don't think that finding the age of the human that is perfect to read your stuff is the most important thing, or to buy your stuff. I think it's more important to create a feel of who that human is. So usually the mascots of our companies are anthropomorphized animals or blobs or something because I'm trying to take away the demographic information. Now, you need that demographic information for running Facebook ads and such. But I have readers who are 70 and who are 12, but they all kind of have the same spirit. So when I talk to people, I try and get them to pour all of that customer avatar energy into finding the the spirit and the essence of their perfect fan, which we anthropomorphize into our B Melissa, totally not human at all. And partially of that reason is because I don't want it to feel like it's, I wanted to feel like it's a singular entity that I'm talking to, but not necessarily, Oh, uh, it's a 34 year old who lives in Detroit who works in a car dealership because Every company I've ever run or started to run, the kinds, the, the the ages and ranges and jobs of the people are very, very different. But the spirit and the ethos of what they're trying to get to is the same.
0: Definitely, and I I do agree that one of the things a lot of people focus on too much, I think, is oh well, my my people are X Y Z age or they're uh, you know as you said right they're they're geographically located and i love what you're talking about how you want to talk to that feeling cuz as you were describing melissa i'm like i i know people who would fit that absolutely i know people who would fit that but it's not because they're oh they're female or because they're they're 25 years old it's because they're that's the types of things that they're interested in so once you've kind of figured out You said the step one was to kind of have that mascot. And I love that it's a mascot because so many of us, you know, we like sports and we remember having a mascot at school. So it's kind of like who represents your company. So once you have that mascot, what's the next step?
1: Well, I think it's important to talk about like how to find that mascot, which is uh So it's a really easy test uh, if you don't know uh, who you're talking to, or especially if you've not started anything yet, uh, which is uh, I call it the three degrees rule, which is uh, you look on Facebook and you find somebody who is very active, engaging with you, who is not a best friend who you see all of the time or a family member or anybody in your immediate circle of like work acquaintances. So this would be somebody like you went to high school with maybe or college who you interact, who like is always interacting with your posts, but you don't really engage with them. Like you 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 might talk with them once a month or once a year, but they just happen to be a really hyper-engaged human who likes all of the stuff that you're planning to put out. So if you're planning on making bicycles, you're probably going to be posting a lot of articles on bicycles just because like that is what's in your your monkey brain, right?
0: Definitely, definitely.
1: So you want to find a person who likes all of that kind of stuff. And then you message them or communicate or email them or something and you say like hey i'm planning to launch this product i'd love to ask you a couple of questions or i'd love to just ask you a couple of questions and pick your brain about something and uh, one of the questions you're trying to figure out is like we don't really communicate very often like why do you why are you around like why do you why do you like me but like not in a beggy way in the way that it sounds right now but you're trying to sort of discern like what is it about you That like they respond to. And uh, it'll be different for everybody. For everybody who likes someone practical and like no nonsense, like me, there's someone who likes elegance or like fantastical people or super hyper motivating people. So it depends on who it is. And then you take that one person and you make some assumptions about who your avatar is. And then you start, you do that. 10 more times and some of your assumptions will be wrong and some of them will be right. But you really want to get a sense of who that person is because step two is you want to find more people sort of like them at the beginning. Uh, You want to develop your product, but you want to find more people. The more people that you find that are like them, the more robust your sample size is going to be about whether you're on the right path. And I know this feels like, wow, geez, Russell, you're doing a lot of work before you start scaling your audience. And you absolutely are. Because When you're dumping money into Facebook ads or doing live events or whatever that thing is, you want to make sure you are right. So uh, it's important to spend a lot of time trying to figure out whether you're right before you start building that audience and get a 10,000, 20,000 person mailing list that is built the wrong way because it is really it's it, it it is still hard to engage an audience that really wants to hear from you but it is impossible to do that if you have built the wrong list
0: absolutely you know one of the things that as we talked about at the beginning you know so many people focus on well i need to get more people i just need to have more humans to be talking with but as you said right it is very difficult to engage with people who actually want to hear from you because we all have overloaded inboxes. We all have limited amounts of time to, you know, be engaging on like social media and we, we spend a lot of time, but then there's a lot of other people competing for our time as well. So you want to make sure that the people you've got on that list, are the ones who not only want to hear from you, but are the right fit for you because whatever you've created needs to be a right fit for them as well. And uh, I love the process that you kind of went through with, you know, make sure you're actually talking to people. That's something a lot of us are kind of, I wouldn't say uh, afraid to do, but some of us, you know, are like, oh, I actually have to talk to the people I want to sell to. And the answer is, of course, yes, because you want to make sure that the assumptions you're making aren't just your assumptions, but that they do match the people that you're looking for. And
1: on top of that, they will tell you what they want. Like they will tell you what they need. You will start hearing the same thing from many of them. I heard a quote several years ago now uh, said, uh, the only way to scale is to do the unscalable. And my best example of that was Airbnb uh, was struggling when they first got started. So they actually went to their people's houses and would take pictures of them, would ask them what they wanted, how they should pivot, what they should do. And uh, also Sarah Blakely, who invented Spanx, uh, when she got her first orders, she would literally go to every store and spend days in each store all around the country to make sure she was training all the staff, meeting with the customers, and and, and, and making sure her messaging was on point for what she wanted to sell. Now, if you already have something to sell, then it's important that you get the messaging right. If you don't have something to sell, then it's important that you get the messaging right and you design what the product is for based on what the audience says. Because there's a ton of stuff already in any market. We're not living in a world where there's a lot of uh, empty space uh, uh, where like no one's touched anything in it. But there is a ton of open space to be like, well, I really love yoga pants, but I wish they had deeper pockets. And I wish they did this and that and the other thing. Uh, and And you can start hearing that from a bunch of people and say, well, maybe I should design this thing because there is a deep need in this exact marketplace of the people I want to serve.
0: Absolutely. So we've talked about you know how to make sure you're creating that right avatar, make sure you're creating that right representation of your brand and getting the right people onto your list. And then uh, how do you monetize that list? You've got the right people on it. How do you take it to that next step to make it a, a great income stream for you?
1: So. By talking to them and trying to find out where, where the market is and doing a survey of the market, what market that you're trying to fit in and the people that are in it, you're going to be able to design products specifically for the needs of those people on your list. And that is where that interplay between customer and and product starts to really take shape. But the biggest problem that people have in this Stage of it. I think people kind of know, okay, you need an audience and a product, but the problem comes that an audience, a person will tell you what they want, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they will buy that thing. It doesn't actually mean that the thing that they're talking about is the actual product that they want. They kind of talk out of the side of their mouth, and you have to become very good at determining what they mean and what they actually want. And I do this by offering little mini, uh, mini comics or, or mini books or, or, or things that don't cost me a lot to make, but tell me a whole lot about whether that person actually wants to buy the thing that I'm making. And I, I'm now sort of past this in one of my companies, but I always do this with every single company is I do a little test of Either a prototype or a, uh, or a, just a piece of what I'm looking for. And I see if that is what people are going to buy. Because the thing is, people have money to spend. The question is whether they will spend it on you. And if you've done a good job of serving your market, you're going to know where the hole is in that market. But you don't want to go and get 10,000 pairs of Spanks. You want to get a small number, maybe not even of the exact product, just of, a product that is like the product. For instance, white labeling uh, a similar product of what you're thinking about and bringing some over from China or going to uh, Printful and putting an order and, and, and setting up and in order for Printful has or any other uh, sort of print-on-demand clothing line or whatever line, so that you can print one of something and see if it actually is viable to what they want. And this is the this is the 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 part that most entrepreneurs don't get. If they buy it, you must ask them why they bought it. And if they didn't buy it, you must ask them why they didn't buy it. So if you have an audience of 100 or 200 people, let's say, and you only get one person buying, well, that's not very good. To get 10 people buying, that's a pretty good sign that you're on the right track with the right audience to sell the right product too. But it's really important that you know why so that you can keep massaging the messaging because there's two things that could be wrong with your product. Well, three. Uh, the first one is it could be bad. Frankly, when you start <laughs> doing something, you're not very good at it. So like you may be making a bad product. I'm, I'm assuming that most people are past this stage uh, when they're listening to the show. Uh, but it's very possible that you just need more time to make more stuff or like you totally mis- mismanaged what the market was. Number two is the the messaging is wrong. And you, you you made the right product, but you didn't highlight the things that are important for that customer. So uh, to go back to the, uh, the 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 deep pocket yoga pant example, maybe you didn't talk about the deep pockets. You just talked about the yoga pants being really soft, and they're like, yeah, you know what I really want is like two pockets, uh, two small pockets, not one big pocket. Or maybe let's say I really wanted a pocket in the back, or uh, I really want uh, X wines, whatever it is. Uh, you start seeing why they're not buying and then you can iterate on that and, and then your your messaging becomes Better and better over time because you're highlighting the things that are important to that audience. And that's really important. You need to be able to do that in a couple of seconds in just a pitch. You know, when I talk to people about my books, I'm like, it's monsters and mythology. Do you like monsters? Do you like mythology? Or are you a creative? Because I help creatives build better businesses. And those are the kinds of things that I say in just a second. And once they get the, the yes, that is me, then I can move into more detail about each product. But I'm very careful to uh, make sure that each product is also designed with the messaging in mind.
0: Absolutely. So, you know, we've talked about so many wonderful and great things about how to build the right audience, make sure that you're attracting the right people, make sure you really have a clear idea of who your audience is and not just like, you know, what age range are they in, and then how to kind of monetize that audience and Get an idea as to why something is or isn't selling. And I love what you talked about with the, you know, the small sample, the small taste, so that you can create something really in a, in a small area that you, know, you can then test. Like What everyone said, is that really what people are interested in buying and spending their money on? So you know, we're almost out of time here. So what would be the one thing, one action item you want people to take after listening to this about how to monetize their audience?
1: So if you have an audience... I want you to go and ask them start asking them questions don't do a survey like don't do one of those like survey monkey surveys pick two people that are really engaged in your audience and email them and ask them a bunch of questions get them on the phone ask them the kind of things they're struggling with where they are uh, in their business or in their community now like what thing What reason did they come to your community? What do they really like about what you're doing? And then try and suss out what to make for them in the next iteration of what you're doing. Uh, And I've done this my whole career to to make the next product better. Whether uh, If you have products, then find the people who have bought that product, find out what they like about that product and didn't like about that product. And then if you've had a couple of products then it's time to see where you're going with it's time to put your put the scale in but again it's all about not doing the surveys reaching out to each to individual people who are hyper engaged in your community or on your Facebook page and having real conversations with them about how you can help because if you can help them and they believe that you can help them and the product is made with that in mind, then people should buy. If not, you've either got the wrong audience or the wrong product or the wrong messaging.
0: That's really powerful. And it's one of those things that a lot of us hear. Sometimes we don't really know how to do that, right? We hear, you should be talking to your audience a lot of us think of the big scale, right? Of, oh, I should send a, send, send a survey. But being able to talk with people one-on-one, there's not really anything that can replace that really real connection. So Russell, I want to thank you so much again for coming on the show and talking about all these really great things that uh, a lot of people kind of know they need to be doing, but uh, giving a, a really clear path on how you can make sure to get the right audience and then monetize that audience. So if people want to learn more about you and what you do and how to get in touch with you, Uh, What can they do?
1: So you can go to my podcast, The Complete Creative. It has a whole website built out called thecompletecreative.com, which has epic blog posts, my podcast archives, free courses, and a whole lot more. And I have a free course about how to build an audience, which is uh, at thecompletecreative.com forward slash audience. It's less than 20 minutes. It'll give you the three pillars that I think are the most important to building an audience from scratch and scaling
0: it. Fantastic. That's really valuable for a lot of people out there to be able to really figure out how to build that right audience. And and definitely go check out uh, the Complete Creative, the podcast, and the website and, and make sure to get access to your free course. So Russell, once again, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom with the audience. Thank you so much for having me. Until next time. Thanks for listening to the Audience Converter Podcast. For more information and important links about today's show or for access to our website, visit theaudienceconverter.com. Take a moment to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.